morning. Can we just give God a big shout of praise in this house? Come on. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Are you blessed this morning? Would you just look to somebody to your right and left and say, we're blessed. We're blessed. Amen. You might be seated. Hallelujah. Woo. Man, you guys are just wonderful. I love all you. Thank you so much for your dedication. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate our sound and media team and all those who help us make this possible. All you who are watching online, who we love you and we pray that all the video went seamlessly today. We are working on it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be talking this morning about a, a story going through the life of Joseph, but I want to declare a word of Scripture in the process, in the starting point. And that is out of Psalms chapter 37, verse 23. Psalms 37, verse 23. Now, dear, you know you're not supposed to sit back there. Should have moved to the back. Did you backslide? I didn't know. She's with the cool kids. I got you. Here I am, I'm going to preach on stepping up, and she doesn't step back. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I tried. Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Your version may say for the steps of a good man or the steps of a righteous person. But the fact is, is that God is the one who establishes each one of us. He's the one who sets us. He's the one who orchestrates us for those who find their delight in the Lord. Amen? You know, when I think about that, how many of you guys have a Fitbit this morning? You're a bit fit, huh? <laughs> Got your iWatch or your Samsung this or your no-name gadget that or whatever, right? But everybody's uh, interested in their steps. Everybody wants to make sure they're staying healthy, right? Some of us. Somebody said, Preach. <laughs> I mean, you know, the reality is the Bible does say that um, that we there's a, a little benefit in physical exercise, right? But that little takes a, a long ways, right? Takes us a long ways. Steps. We all think we should take some steps. The fact is, is that 
you know, Kim just about every night comes to me and says, you ready to go for a walk? And you know, I got two dogs in my house. And one, you say walk, and they're running to the cabinet where the leash is because they are ready. They know exactly where that leash is, and they're like, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. And the crazy thing, it's the oldest dog, right? And, and, and then when you say walk, the other dog goes and hides under the bed. And if you make it go walk, you put the leash on, and it's like, it stops. How do you walk with this thing on? You know what I'm saying? Well, go anywhere. You take it outside. You can let its leash go, and you can keep on walking. You'll walk a mile down the road, look back at that dog sitting there like, I don't know what y'all thinking. I ain't going nowhere. And I've come to realize that the fact is, is that Kim thinks of, when she thinks of walk, she thinks of marathon, Right? You know, we don't just walk to the stop sign and back, man. She wants to walk around this loop. And, oh, there's another loop over there. Let's walk around that loop. By the time you get back, you done got four miles in. You're like, hey, I'm tired. So now when she says it's going to walk, I feel like the other dog want to get under the bed and say, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> Truth hurts, don't it? She's here. <laughs> Walking. Steps. You know, what's crazy is, is that then, you know, the stairs. Stairs is rough on some people, isn't it? How many of the older you get, the stairs are harder to find, right? And that's why we put these rails here. You know, we need some stability, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the older we get, we have to have some help along the way. Then there's these athletes, you know. You look at these videos, these athletes, like, like They're running up and down, saying, look, you're not going anywhere. And they think that's like helping them out. What they, what they don't know is when they get 50 years old, they're going to be saying, ooh, them knees. Right? That's because they just don't know no better, right? You go to the gym, and then there's that stair climbing machine. It's probably the least used machine. Everybody on a strolling machine. And people get on, oh, they stepping up, dude. <laughs> I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, when we get older, especially when we just can't do stairs, they make them little things now that they put on the steps, and you can sit in it, and you you know. Hey, you know, I really believe it wasn't a genius who actually created the elevators. It was the guy who was on the top floor. His probably name was Otis. I don't know. Anyway. Yes, Dick. Comedians are going out of style, and I'm wanting to be one. <laughs> it all boils down to this. We all want to go to another level, but it requires stepping up. We all want to experience something out of the norm, out of the ordinary. We want to experience something deeper and higher in the Lord, and yet it requires something of us, and it's time for us to step up to get there. Amen? And so when I look at this, I think of the story of Joseph, and I think of uh, the life that he lived, and it was full of steps. He had to step up out of various situations, and I'm going to be looking at Genesis chapter 37 and kind of telling the story through, so I'm not going to read specific verses out of Genesis, but telling his story a little bit. 
And one of the things that I believe that he had to step up above was intimidation. How many have ever been intimidated? Yeah. And, and, and you know, when you think about it, he was one of the youngest of his, uh, of his siblings. You know, he wasn't the youngest. Benjamin was the youngest. But he was one of the youngest of his siblings. And in a time when birth order actually meant something, right? And so he was probably intimidated by his older brothers who I'm sure uh, probably let him know of his rank and his position within the family on many occasions. And matter of fact, he was a little upset with them and even told on them a few times when they didn't do their thing. And how many know that big brothers don't like that? Mm. I was one of that younger brother, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, some would say that he was he was not old enough to understand, but reality was he was old enough. You know, I, I was, like I said, the youngest of seven by seven years, and, and there was many times that I was uh, intimidated by my brothers. There were times when I would get in a tussle with them about different things, and yet seven years is a whole lot of difference. Ain't that right, Big Chris? And so I remember one time... I was really aggravating my brother. My parents wasn't home. That was a dumb thing. But anyway, it was three inches of snow outside. I was sitting in my pajamas. It was one of those days off. And he just picks me up, takes me out to the trampoline with three inches of snow and throws me on it. And about an hour later when my mama gets home, I'm still outside because he's locked the doors and won't let me in. My feet are purple, probably frostbitten, and I was being bullied by a brother. Another time I remember my mom saved my life. I had, I mean, I mean, I've had brothers with anger issues. Yeah. And I remember my mom coming in I barely didn't remember because when she came in my brother was beating me in the chest so hard that my lips had turned purple and I couldn't breathe and it was just at the nick of time she walked in and jerked him off of me and thank God mama came in because I'm not sure if I would be here today intimidated by older brothers I mean when you think of what he looked like when you think of what he went through when you think of the fact that you know, Jacob was old enough to understand the process of reconciliation because the Bible says in, in Genesis 37 that he was 17 years old when he was tending the sheep with his brother. So he was old enough, right? And, and, and he, I'm sure he remembered his dad, Jacob, as he was coming out to reconcile with his brother Esau. And though he had received the birthright, he was still intimidated by his bigger brother. And so when he met him, the Bible says that he sent camps uh, in different ways because he was afraid of his brother. And it said when his brother came to him that he bowed down multiple times in front of him. Because why? Because he was intimidated. Had he not been declared God's chosen? Had he not been had he not received the blessing and though he had been under the guise of his father-in-law and been, and been manipulated by him, God was delivering him and all of these things. Joseph may have been young, but he understood and saw what took place in that process. 
And sometimes I believe that God is looking at us and we look around and we see the world intimidating us and trying to put us in a box and trying to quieten our voice and we get intimidated. And and here we have to be like Joseph and we've got to be willing to step up even though intimidation is around us, even though our dream might not fit the mold of what society says. If God's given you a dream, you better step up into the dream that God's given you. How many times do we miss out on the vision and the plan that God has because God's given us a dream and we're too afraid to walk in the dream? Well, what will so-and-so think? What will, what will this person think? Well, I, they've been there longer than I have, so I must not be able to be used like they have. Look, let me tell you something. If God's given you a dream, then don't be afraid to speak the dream. Not everybody's going to get on board with you. Not everybody's going to be on the same boat with you. Not everybody's going to be able to grab a hold of what your vision is. But if God's given you that vision, then be willing to speak it and walk in it. Amen. Amen. The fact is, is that we need to rise above the intimidation and declare the truth of God's word. It is not out of pride that we declare that we know the truth, right? I mean, the world thinks that Christians are prideful because we declare that there's only one way. Right? But the fact is, is that do we pause? Do we quiet ourselves? Do we try to hide the fact that we believe that because a bunch of voices have screamed louder than we can scream or or, or collectively have tried to depress and suppress the voice just because of their suppression does that mean that we stop declaring the truths that we know are valid and true and we believe them with all of our heart and our mind no we have to declare the truth it's not out of pride that we declare the truth it's not out of pride that the out of pride that we declare that we know the only way to peace in this world and it is through jesus christ he is the peace speaker He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way but him. And so therefore, we we have to step up out of intimidation and say we will walk in Christ Jesus. We will walk in his truth. We will declare his ways. 1 Peter chapter 3 and 14 says, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Come on. Look. There's different levels, different devils, different levels, right? What you might face in your beginnings of your walk with Christ Jesus, when you get older and more mature, they don't bother you anymore. But on different levels, you will face different devils. There are different things that will uh, confront you. There are different things that will attack you. There are different things that you will have to fight against as you move closer to God's plan and His destiny in your life. Do you believe that? So in the, the enemy wants to intimidate you. He wants to keep you from moving closer to God. But what I love about Joseph is not only did he step out of intimidation, but he stepped out of the pit. Look, the journey to your destiny, I, I think that so many times we have, uh, we're accustomed to our gas tank in the car, you know. Uh, how many have one of those good models that it actually is pretty linear, you know what I mean? It's, it kind of goes down exactly when you're supposed Some of I remember having a little Volkswagen bug, man, and it stayed full about for, you know, most of the time, and on the last 30 miles, it was, that line machine, and I think that we expect our relationship with God 
to be this steady rise as if this is God's plan. Oh, I'm, I'm climbing up, you know. I, I'm like old Peg. I'm climbing up, Lord, on the rough side of the mountain. I'm doing my best to make it in. I'm thinking, Peg, why can't you find the good side of that mountain? The reality is, is that it's not always this beautiful rise as we grow in Christ Jesus, as we mature, because it's, some, it's something like the stock market. It kind of, it goes, you know, whoop. And that's the way our lives is. We're going up and down. But the point is, is that hopefully some way, somewhere, we're going to end up higher than we began. Amen? And so when you look at, when you look at Joseph, Look, his brothers despised his dream. His brothers hated him. They were jealous over what he had told them. And he, they wanted to take every resemblance of favor away from him. The Bible says that his father gave him a coat. Some, some versions say a coat of multicolor or, or a coat of many colors. And it can also be translated as a coat that is long. And, and so when you think about that, it's kind of like uh, everybody had a coat. Everybody had a robe. Right? I mean, everybody had one. So why was, why was his so special? Why did his have to be pointed out? It's kind of like walking into the hospital like UT, and you have different levels of doctors in their, in their practicing medicine. You know, some of them have short coats, right? And the longer the coat, the more authority, the more privilege, the more... Uh, they have grown in their maturity of their profession, right? And so if you look at it that way, he was given a coat that was peculiar. It was a coat that probably exemplified his favor and his authority because it was after, it was after that, that that he was found in the home when his brothers were out working. So something had to happen that caused him to be able to stay home. He was an authoritative person. Come on, is that all right to deduce that? And you can imagine that this is a society that respects the birth order, and here these guys are. Here's Reuben and, and Dan and all these other guys are sitting over in the side saying, what the, what's going on with him, bro? I mean, look, I, I was born first, or I was born second, or I was born this and that, and what's this guy doing? I mean, how does he find favor? Why does he get that? I mean, here we are. We're going out working our share of time. We're out trying to do our thing, and yet he gets favor. Can you imagine him over in the corner saying, you just wait till I get him alone. We'll pop him up, dude. We'll let him know who's, who's boss. He might be boss at home, but we're going to be boss in the field, right? And so they were frustrated with him. They were frustrated with the position. They were frustrated with the fact that he was somewhat an authority and that he had the privilege that they didn't got, have. He had the favor that they, that, they didn't, that they didn't have. So they wanted to humiliate him. They wanted to get rid of him. And the Bible says in Psalms 56 and 6, it says, they stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. How many know that Satan is watching your steps? I mean, Jesus told Peter, he says, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, right? I mean, the Word of God tells us that, that the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to destroy. He's looking to intimidate you because 
He recognizes that you have been given favor. He recognizes that you have been given authority in God, that you've been called to sit in the house, that you've been called to sit at the king's table, and he's been cast out, and he doesn't like it, and he's looking to destroy you and take away every piece of privilege that you might have found. Remember, there's different levels for different devils, right? We might see a pit as horrible, and guess what? It was. But the fact is, is God knows Joseph's destiny. God knows the plans that he has for you. Isn't that God's word? Plans to prosper you. Plans to see you to your destiny. And guess what? Pride has no place in the destiny. And so that we might see the pit as horrible, and it really is, but God sees the pit of working something out of you that he needs to get out of you so that you can make it to the place of destiny that he has in store for you. That's an old me and an ouch, and oh God, help us. Right? God, help us to recognize our destiny. And because when we realize that pride goes before a fall and God's plan for us is not to fail. Don't despise the pit. Trust God in the pit. Let God teach you in the pit. Know that whatever reason you are there is to prepare you for the next level. Psalms chapter 40 verse 2 says, He drew, he drew me out from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and he set my feet on the rock and he made and making my steps secure. Hallelujah. Someone needs to declare, I'm stepping out and I'm stepping up. Amen? I'm stepping out and I'm stepping up. I'm stepping out and I'm stepping up. Amen. Not on my own ability, not on my own way, not on my own time, but God in his mercy, God in his grace is going to draw me up. My feet are not doomed for destruction and destiny, but my feet are, 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 are performed for destiny, for a blessing for God that who has deliverance and sight for me. He will set me and establish my feet on the rock. He will secure my steps. Come on, somebody said this morning, said I'm going to take these shoes off because I'm a little wobbly but I'm here to tell you that God will set you on the rock he'll set you in a secure place he will establish your feet you don't have to walk around wobbly and shaky without faith but knowing that he will deliver you if you'll trust in him amen Psalms 18 36 says you have you you gave a wide place for my steps under my feet come on and my feet did not slip you're not walking a tightrope, these little guys, but God's got a path for you, a secure path to walk in. Joseph, he stepped out of the pit. He stepped out of intimidation. But he stepped above reproach. We can see this in Genesis chapter 39. Because once he stepped out of that pit, sold into into the Midianite slavery and then down into Egypt. He was sold to Potiphar and in Potiphar's house he found favor and so much favor that he ruled the house. He was in charge of everything. Everything that happened was, was in Joseph's order. Can you imagine? But how many understand that? There's some things that we have to learn in the process, right? 
I've made the mistake at times in ministry of putting a novice in a place and them not be ready for the ministry and fail because they have not learned the lessons of pride. They've not learned the lessons of walking above reproach. They've not learned the lessons of guarding your tongue and knowing the right moments and right seasons and right times to declare the things of God. And so, here he was. I mean, he's in Potiphar's house. Everything's going well. Everything's going beautiful. Too beautiful, right? And the fact is, is that sometimes we get, we, we lose traction because of distraction, right? We're on the right path. Everything's going the way we think it should go. But at some point, we get distracted and we lose traction going forward and we start sliding backwards. And, and I'm here to tell you that God wants you to walk in stability. Second Peter chapter 3.17 says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Woo! I mean, look. When we're stepping in the right direction, when we're stepping as, as good, as righteous, as godly, as people who are declaring the things of God, wanting to walk in God's way, there are going to be people who try to distract you. How many young people have lost their relationship with Christ because they've got so distracted by, the, by being enamored by the girlfriend or boyfriend? How many people have allowed their relationship with God to wane because they, they get so caught up in each other that they forget about God. They're thinking, well, you know, he's such a good person or she's such a good person that I'm sure that I'm sure they'll see my heart and I'm sure they'll go to church with me one day. How's that working out for you? Had a great friend of mine in our youth group what a dynamic woman used to she would travel and sing with various southern gospel artists just an amazing singer amazing voice and and this handsome red-headed young guy came to church swept her off her feet and within three months they were married and here i was she was still in high school i said wait a minute don't do that you're not ready for that. All of her friends were like, are you crazy? And yet you couldn't tell her any different. She got married. And that guy has never come back to church in 26 years. Look, I'll tell you something. Don't lose sight of God's plan. Walk above reproach. Walk above, above the distractions. Because look, there's going to be distractions. There's going to be things that will try to pull you away from God or keep your mind off of God's plan. But don't let the things of this world keep you from the plan that God has. Don't get, don't lose traction for distraction. Amen? And the other side of that is there's going to be things that will try to keep you from reaching your destiny Potiphar's wife I'm sure she had to be beautiful right I mean the Bible says that Joseph was handsome kind of like myself and so I'm sure that somebody giving her a lift 
beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. Just, I'm thank God Kim's blind. I'm sure, I'm sure that she was pretty. But you know, when you are growing in authority, there will be a test of your integrity. There will be times that you'll be tested. And you need to know that you're going to walk on the high road. Come on, somebody. That you're going to be able to step up above reproach. I remember, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I remember being associate youth pastor in, a, in Cleveland, Ohio. And, and I was opening the door. I, I was kind of letting people leave the service, kind of being that, you know, glad y'all came, folks. Good to see you. Glad that. And, and, and about that time as I was opening the door, this woman comes by and pinches me on the bottom. Woo! If it had been Kim, I said, do it again, baby. I am no, it's... Uh, but I look back and it was this beautiful young lady who was married with children. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I grabbed her by the arm. I said, come here a minute, a minute. come here a minute. We're going we're gonna to talk about this. And, and I got to the hallway, you know, the foyer's still there. I got to the hallway and people could see me. And I let her, I said, look, you might be funny. You might be thinking this is fun and games. But one person sees you do that, and I could lose my ministry, I could lose my wife, I could lose the confidence of this church. What do I have? Why would you do such a dumb thing? Why would you cause me to be in that position? Look, there's going to be people that try to be distractions in your ministry. There's going to be people that try to be distractions in fulfilling your destiny, but you have to walk above the reproach. Amen? Look, I, amen. Don't put yourself in a position to be tempted. Don't put yourself in a position to be called out. You'll never see me counsel with someone by myself. I'll always ask, hey, can somebody sit in the office or can somebody sit in the foyer? Because I want to know that I'm walking the high road. Amen. Listen, young people, if you are enamored by your sweetheart, don't find yourself by yourself late at night on the couch because guess what? When you're tired, you're tempted. For some of you parents, that was a great time to say amen. Amen. Guard yourself. Don't go back to places of your failure by yourself. Amen? If God delivered you from a place, then why would you go back there? If God delivered you from a drink, then why drink it again? If God delivered you something, then why would you go back and walk in the same path knowing that it was God that had to deliver you before? How many times are people justifying, well, you know, I'm sure you can drink a little of this or drink a little of that. Let me tell you something. If God delivered you from it, then it was because it was an addiction and you don't need to get back into it again. Amen. We've got to be willing to step above the reproach. Psalms 57 and 6 says, They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen in it themselves. Let me tell you something. 
different levels, different devils. You've got to watch. As you grow in authority, the enemy wants to take away. He wants to put opportunities for you to corrupt. Look, Joseph could have had that relationship with Potiphar's wife, and it might not have ever been found out about. Y'all don't like to say amen to that stuff. He could have embezzled. He could have done anything he wanted to do because he was over the house, but God wanted to test his integrity because he knew there's a destiny that's much greater than Potiphar's house. And if I can know that I know that he'll walk in faith, he'll walk in trustworthiness, he'll walk in integrity at Potiphar's house, then I know he'll walk in the palace just as I want him to walk. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. I mean, we don't like to count it all joy, but right? James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Somebody needs to declare that I'm stepping up and I'm stepping out. Amen. Amen. I'm stepping up and I'm stepping out because God is producing in me steadfastness. God wants me to mature. God wants me to lack nothing. I'm being trained. I'm being transformed. I'm being equipped for the next level that God wants me to walk in. But the other side is, is here's Joseph's life, up and down, not seeing all that's going on. Not, but yet in the midst of that, he finds himself stepping up in bondage and stepping out of bondage. Joseph, we see in Genesis 39, was actually thrown into prison. He could have been bound in prison. He could have sat there and just gave up. Why try? Every time I try to do something good, I find myself back in the pit. Why, why keep on? But instead of walking bound in prison, he chose to step up even under the duress of prison. He could have played the, the victim. He could have walked around and demanded, I'm innocent. And guess what? He was right. How many know that every prisoner in prison thinks they're innocent? Mm-hmm. I'm innocent. He could have stepped in bitterness and hatred, and yet he chose to step in betterness and in hope. Psalms 119 verse 133 says, Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Somebody needs to know that if you'll step in righteousness, the iniquity will not take dominion over you, but you'll rise above every quake, every hardship, every trial, every prison, every bondage you might face. Different levels, different devils. He could have been in there and said, Well, I'm forgotten. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Look at me. I'm even, I even tried to help somebody else, and they got up there, and they were supposed to tell all about me, but they forgot me. But he chose, instead of walking in, for, in, in, in that forgottenness, he chose to walk in forgiveness. Instead of walking in failure, he chose to walk in favor because he could have been, you know, could have said, I give up, I've failed, look, nothing ever goes right for me, but yet he chose to walk in the favor of God. He could have, uh, he could have made a dramatic scene and, and caused all kinds of trouble, but he chose, he chose to live out the dream that God had placed in his heart, knowing that one day, if God meant it, it should happen, and we have to believe that. 
better come up here and close this thing down, bro. Joseph chose to step into his destiny. And I encourage you, man. I enjoyed rereading this story from Genesis chapter 36 all the way through the end of, of Genesis. Because I see where a man chose to step up. He stepped up from pitiful to privileged, from pit to Potiphar, from prison to palace. Every step was important. Every step, though, it doesn't seem to fit the mold that we as Americanized Western mentality Christians portray to other Christians because we think everything should be beautiful. But every step is important. Proverbs chapter 14 and 15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Look, you can believe every wind of doctrine. You can believe every prosperity thing that passes. You can give a dollar and expect a hundred. You can do all that stuff. But you better examine your steps, my friend, because you've got to walk in righteousness before God because he said, be holy for I'm holy. You can give all you want to, but if you're not walking in integrity before God, what you give means nothing. God's looking for faithful people to be able to walk as examples in this world because the world has seen so many Christians who don't live up to the to what Christianity has been called to walk in and they and you wonder why they don't respect Christianity. Proverbs 16 and 9. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And when you look at Joseph, and he could have, he could have been angry. But he clung to a dream that God gave him. And though the steps were not always going up, they were steps in the right direction. It wasn't always beautiful. It wasn't always the way he thought it should go, but it was exactly the way God had it planned out, was teaching him. After his father, Israel, died, he declared some, Israel declared blessings over his children, and his brothers began to be afraid because they thought, well, look, he's only been kind to us because of daddy. And they came to him and tried to find favor in him and he said he declared in Genesis chapter 50 and 20 he says though you have meant this for harm God has meant it for good so that some versions say so that my people but it literally means so that numerous people will be saved as has been done God used a little guy who was prideful at times who had to bring him to humility through a pit. He got, God used a guy who probably had many times to walk in unfaithfulness but, but even through the 
through the distractions, he kept his eyes on the Lord. God used a guy who had been accused. Let me tell you something, there's going to be some times you get accused. And he could have been broken, he could have been irritated and bitter, but he chose to keep his eyes on the vision and the plan that God gave. God used a man who was in prison. And he raised him up for destiny. Look, the Lord stepped up in the face of intimidation by the Pharisees. The Lord stepped up in the face of accusations by Pontius Pilate. The Lord stepped up in bondage and said, Father, forgive them. The Lord stepped up out of the grave to destiny as an empathetic Savior. One day he's going to step out of the clouds. My question to you is, are you stuck on a level? Are you stuck in a step? Have you been in that, that cyclical level where you know that God's given you a ring of favor? You know that God's put some new shoes on your feet like the prodigal son. You know that God's put a robe around you of authority. You know that God has been excited and he's killed the fatted lamb that you've come in. But you're still on the same step. You're still right there on the same level. God's wanting you to step up into authority. He's wanting you to step up in dominion over the things of the world, and yet you're still down here. Well, I'm just glad to be home. I'm just glad I got my ticket. I'm just glad I'm when he comes back. Thank you, Jesus. These days you got to use virtual tickets. You can't use them real ones anymore, right? Yes, the step may cause you pain but what you learn through the pain is that you're privileged for the presence of God is with you and it means that you get to go on to another step and though that step might mean blessings and favor and prosperity that doesn't mean that that's where you're supposed to stay the next step might mean that, that you lose it all. The next step might mean that it's all taken away from you. Does that mean you're anything worse? Does that mean you're less? Does that mean God doesn't care? But if you keep your eyes on the Lord, you can step out of bondage. You can step out of the prison and into the palace. And if you'll keep on stepping... It just might be that you see that all those steps you've been taking, all those hardships, all those sufferings that you've been wondering, is God even with me? That you look back and you see how far you've come. And you look back and you say, thank you, God. I'm no longer where I used to be. I've learned a lot. And God, today, I'm able to do this because you have led me through that. 
just might be that sons and daughters are waiting for you to take another step, but they've seen you willy-wally down on the lower levels all your life, and they wonder, is there any maturity to your faith because you are wishy-washy? And everything time something doesn't go your way, you're bad-mouthing, complaining about everybody else, and you've not grown up. And you wonder why sons and daughters aren't in churches because It's time for us to take a step. It's time for us to wake up and walk the life. Walk the life. Live it. Be an example. Walk in faith. Not by sight. Well, I won't get to have this and that. No, look. The thing is, is that Old things pass away. All things become new. Look, put it in His hands. It just might be that if you put it in God's hands, He says, you can keep that. That's got to go. Yep, that's going to work. That's not. But if you'll give it to God, it just might be that He can put it to use in the kingdom. But you've got to be willing to give it to Him. You've got to be willing to surrender to Him. Say, Lord, not my way, but yours be done. How many wants to step up? How many is ready to take a step forward in Christ? To say, God, I know that I've not reached my destiny, but God, I want to be on the right direction. God, I want to be on the right path. I want to know that I know that I'm following you and you're the way, truth, and the life. I trust you, Jesus. This morning, if you say, Pastor, I definitely need prayer because I'm struggling on a rough level. Is that you this morning? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. There might be somebody here that says, Pastor, I'm here, but I'm not sure that I've truly turned my life over to the Lord, and I want to know that I know that I'm in God's plan and I want to walk faithfully for the destiny that He has for me. That's for you this morning. God knows your heart. He wants you to be a part of His plan. He has already prepared in advance things for you to do. He wants you to enter into His kingdom purpose and plan. This morning, if you would say, Pastor, I want this church to pray with me. I want to believe. I need healing. I need deliverance. I need help. I need the Lord. Would you be willing to come forward this morning? Let us pray with you. Can we join together? Can we, can we minister to you this morning? I just believe God has some things to do in you this morning. Come on, anyone else? I need the Lord to step in. I need the Lord to give me the courage to step up. Yes, Jesus.
God, give us discernment in this house. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the King of glory and the King of kings. Lord, I'm thankful, God, that, Lord, what I sensed at the beginning of service is that we were in a, a desert place, but God, you were making a way in the dry ground, the, a spring of water bursting forth in the desert. And I pray, God, that as we call on your name, that we will break forth out of the dryness, out of the desperation of, of thirst. And Lord, that we will experience the, the presence and power of your Spirit flowing through this church. Lord, I pray, God, for discernment. Lord, for a spiritual awakening, for revelation. God, to speak in to each one this morning, Father. We call on your name. We align ourselves with your purpose and your plan. God, we cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And we trust you, Lord. God, intervene, Lord. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Lord. Father, I pray right now for Vicki. God, I know that she has emotionally been torn. Lord, to, to miss the love of her life, to see him go home to be with you, Lord. It's been hard. And thank you for the sons. Thank you for the family. But God, no one knows the pain that that, that, that causes, the heartache. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will be with her, that you'll, that you'll help her to sense, sense your presence, to and know that your arms are wrapped around her. Help her to experience your great love, Father. And God, I pray that, that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit will come in. And that you will wrap your arms around her. That you'll hold her up. That you'll speak peace into her, Lord. And know that she's not alone. That you're with her, God. That you're embracing her, God. And I pray you'll speak wisdom into her spirit, Lord. That you'll give direction to her heart, God. Lord, help her not be in despair. But know that you're right there. Hold her, embrace her, love her, Lord, renew her, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. stretch your hands this way. Would you believe with me? Father, I thank you, God. Lord, that, that your word declares that we are more than conquerors in you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that there would rise up a conqueror inside of Elijah. Lord, that, that Father, he would walk in the presence and power of your anointing, recognizing that just as the Apostle Paul declared in Romans chapter 6 and 11, I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, that old things have passed away and all things have become new. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I believe 
Lord, that the calling that you have placed in him, that you are sharpening his sword, you are walking him through the test, you are clearing and purifying and, and consecrating him for your service. And in Jesus' name, I pray that he walks humbly before you, that the anointing of God rises up. Lord, let his eyes be on you, Jesus. Let his heart be surrendered to you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to direct, lead, and strengthen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, your word says that you'll rebuke the devourer. And Lord, I pray for sons. I pray for this son, but I pray for sons and daughters of this church right now. That the enemy has roared at them. He's sought them out. He's tried to devour them. He's tried to knock them down. But in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you'll reach down, that you'll awaken their heart, that you'll send the angelic host down into each of those situations that you'll bring life into them that you'll awaken them to recognize the truth of your word God we cast down every voice every word the enemy has spoken we cast it down we thrust off every attachment of the world that's tried to cling to us and we loose the bondage loose ourselves from the bondage of the world and we bind these sons and daughters to the plan of God we bind them to your truth we bind them to your word and we ask Jesus that you would declare righteousness over them that you would loose them in Jesus name God we declare that over children over sons and daughters over spouses and husbands in Jesus name let it be so Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Father, God, I thank you for passionate moms and dads in this church who desire righteousness for their families and for their children and I pray God that, that Aaron stands here this morning as a representation of the families of this church and God that you'll anoint her father that you'll anoint parents in this church to be able to walk in your truth to walk in your holiness God that you'll let a, a fervor a desire a passion be raised up in each one of us this morning God to recognize that we are the disciples that are to disciple our children. God, that we recognize that you've called us in a position of authority, Lord, to teach and to train and to equip and to, to raise up children in the admonition of your truth and your word. And God, I pray for your anointing to be over us, to give us the courage to step out, Lord, to, to be able to walk truth out before them, Lord, that they see that in us. And Lord that we're able to hold each other accountable for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Father, God, you know every weakness that we have. I'm thankful for the Apostle Paul who said, who I will glory in my weakness because it says, when I am weak, you are strong. And Lord, I'm thankful, God, that we can surrender 
that, that trial, all that struggle, we can surrender it to you, Lord. And Lord, we can say and declare those things because this is who we are. But Lord, I'm so glad that you met us where we are, but you choose not to leave us there. But God, you choose to create steps for us to be able to be transformed by your power, by your anointing. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll be strong in Sean, that you'll be strong in mothers and fathers and children in this room, that you'll rise up in us, Lord, that you'll help us to allow ourselves to be cleansed and purified by you, Lord, that we might be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you direct, that you lead, that you present us to the Father as pure and holy and righteous. God, we're yours. Surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.